I'm Catherine Arndt, the Chief of the VLGA Connect Studio. Welcome to today's episode, brought to you by the VLGA, your councillor support network and the national broadcaster on all things local government. It's local leaders time from VLGA Connect and I am delighted, truly delighted today to have with me the CEO of Greater Dandenong City Council, Jackie Weatherall. Jackie, lovely to see you. Lovely to see you too, Chris. And to finally have you on the program. We've chatted regularly, sometimes off the record, over over the years. And we'll talk a bit about your career journey and how it's intersected for us in just a moment. But you're reasonably new, can I say, still at Greater Dandenong. Was it late last year you took up the role? That's right. I commenced in um, December 2022 and I've been there now some nine months. Right. So uh, early reflections on coming into a well-established organisation and the challenges that you're focusing on? Yeah, look, I think the things that I have loved about Danong is the passion for from the workforce for our community. We are the most multicultural municipality in Australia, and we also have significant pockets of disadvantaged and vulnerable people within the city of Greater Dandenong. Um, being um, one of the most disadvantaged communities as well. And our staff are so passionate and they're so committed to the work that they do, working with cold communities, and that's what I've loved. Their passion just oozes out all over the place. So I think there used to be a slogan, was there, about, was it Dandenong, like Melbourne's second city or something? That's I, I right, wonder, that's yeah. right. Can you just set the context for us of, of where it sits in terms of size and um, growth um, out in that eastern part of the city? Yeah, the city of Greater Dandenong is a really um, interesting municipality in the southeast of Melbourne, um, approximately 170,000 residents in Melbourne's southeast. And um, we used to be the interface between the rural and the metro at the end of the day. And it, most people would know the Dandenong market. But it's a really interesting area at the moment. It's a powerhouse for Australian manufacturing. So Dandenong South has some really significant um, manufacturing and major business, including Woolworth's biggest um, distribution um, centre in the Southern Hemisphere. We've got the new um, Salto Inland Port. There's a whole range of significant businesses um, and there's a Southeast manufacturing um, group who are very enthusiastic and significant engineering manufacturing um, in Melbourne. In fact, um, I was looking at some recent work that Bernard Salt had done and he was just saying, how large is the manufacturing? in Dandenong South. It's really most people underestimated. Yeah, um, yeah. But then across the rest of the city, we incorporate suburbs like Springvale, Noble Park, Dandenong. We've got lots of diversity. We are um, one of the key landing spots for new refugees and asylum seekers. So very significant multicultural community and um, as a consequence, um, lots of challenges for council officers. Yeah, we might come back to those challenges in the moment. Let's talk a bit about you. One of the main reasons for our local leaders series is to find out a bit about what take uh, what what makes the leaders in the sector tick and how you got to where you are. You went from the city of Stonington as CEO to this yes. new role at Greater Dandenong, but our paths first crossed, I think, when you were CEO of the Greater Metropolitan Cemeteries Trust. Have I got the title right? That's right. And so, Chris, I was CEO for Greater Metropolitan Cemeteries Trust for some seven and a half years, and we ran some 22 cemeteries across Melbourne, approximately 650 hectares of public open space. 
And um, it was a, a it was a beautiful job working with the community um, in the most difficult and challenging times in their lives. I, I think some people may have assumed when you went from that role to Stonington that you were first time in local government, but your local government background predates your role at the Cemeteries Trust, doesn't it? Yes, I started in local government in the 80s, um, Chris, so let's not go too too, too far back. <laughs> no, no, let's go back there. Let's go back and tell us about why you first became involved in local government. Okay, I, and I was telling this story recently to someone. My first job was at the city of Berwick, so I worked at uh, in the recreation area and I was interviewed by the lovely Neil Lucas, who was the former CEO for the city of Berwick, and I heard recently he's still, he's still Still alive and um, still really involved in the community. And yeah. he interviewed me for a position as um, recreation um, coordinator in the um, leisure facilities. And at the end of the day, I sat there and was so impressed with Neil and he had such a lovely aura about him and was so passionate about the city of Berwick. I sat there and thought, I think I want to be a CEO in the longer term. That's where, wow. where what I'd like to be. And I, he often comes into my mind. He would have no idea about this, by the way. Yeah. He often comes into my mind and um, he's really been a great role model for me. That's really interesting that so early on you, you thought perhaps a CEO role in local government might be for you because for some people that doesn't sort of emerge for some time till you've been across a couple of different function areas, does it? So why so early on did you want to lead Council. I don't think it was well formed early yeah. on. I think yeah. at the end of the day, it was just a kind of, it was a little seed in the back yeah. of my head around, I really, I'm really impressed with this person. He talked passionately about his role and I think it put the seed in the back of my mind. Yeah. I started off um, working in recreation facility management, went on to be a rec, you know, to work for the city of Camberwell running um, their recreation facilities and things as a coordinator and then went on to being a manager and a um, general manager and director and then went on to being a CEO. Who else other than Neil comes to mind if I was to ask you, who are the people that have influenced and shaped your career path? Uh, uh, lots of different people. I don't know if I want to mention all their individual names. Um, but, you know, certainly I think there are some um, really significant female leaders who have been absolutely fabulous over the years and um, some of them have been really supportive Um one of the male leaders who's been terrifically supportive to me has been Des Bethke, the former CEO for the City of Melbourne. I've known Des for many years and um, he I still ring him regularly to chew the fat about issues and challenges that I come across. And he's a wonderful supporter in the sense that he always makes me feel uplifted when I finish with him and he always makes me feel I had the answer before I rang him, even though I didn't. Um, so he, he, he's an absolute delight. But there's a whole range of um, leaders that have been out there that have supported and encouraged me. Um, Peter Johnson, as a former CEO at the City of Burundara, was always um, a great mentor and support and, um, yeah, a whole range of others as well. So when you made that decision to move off to the Cemeteries Trust, was that part of a long-term plan? Were you always going to be coming back to local government or what was the thinking there? Um, I think at the end of the day, I had been in community services predominantly for a long period of time and I wanted to make the move into a CEO role. And um, 
you have to have really strong soft skills working in the cemetery sector. And in fact, it's very transferable, the skills and capabilities you have in local government to go in the cemetery sector. You're working with families. You've got to be able to deal with a large workforce. You've got to um, still meet statutory requirements and you're managing large pieces of public open space. So my skills were really transferable. I got headhunted for that role and... Um, when I thought about it and talked to them about it, I thought this is really transferable. I think this will be a really good match. And it was. I, re mm. I really love working in the cemetery sector and um, I still got a lot of time and um, a lot of passion for it. Do you recommend perhaps to, to younger people who are looking at a career path and maybe they think they would like to be a council CEO one day, that they do take a, a side trip to balance out their thinking and experience? Yes, Chris. I think, um, you know, as a values-based leader and and you've got a whole broad, you know, base of skills in your grab bag, I think we're a lot more um, versatile than we realise. Local government is, um, it's a really hard area to work in. It's very um, highly skilled. You've got to work with really diverse stakeholders and those skills are really sought after by lots of other sectors as well. So it was really easy for me to take that skill set into the cemetery sector and be really successful. So you went from the cemetery sector to the city of Stonington as the CEO, and and um, you might correct me if I'm wrong here, but Stonington, I think, is one of the more politically active councils perhaps in the state. It's in the media a bit more often. Were you aware of that? Were you prepared for that? I'd say I, I was prepared, but I perhaps had underestimated how political the group was after the um election, um, the most recent election. So I think that sometimes council groups are really cohesive and other times um, they're more political and this group was quite political. So how did that test you as a leader? Did you have to call on some skills perhaps you hadn't used fully before? Yeah, lots of different skills. I think at the end of the day, um, as a leader, we're always learning and it's always a journey. And the um, thing I like to say to younger leaders is don't expect that you've got all the answers. No CEO has all the answers. Um, we learn as we go along. Um, but certainly I had to learn more about dealing with the media. I had to deal, I had to learn more about dealing with um, complex political situations and also really um, demanding residents. The city of Stonington is a really affluent municipality and it's got some very well educated um, and um, proactive um, residents who are keen to get things done in the city mm. of Stonington. So from Stonington to Dandenong, why Greater Dandenong? What was the appeal? Um, I grew up out in North Clayton and um, had, you know, long cherished that area of Melbourne. Um, I actually come from a cold background. My family is Dutch. And as a consequence, it really sits well with my values. I think my sweet spot and part of the reason that I love working in the cemeteries, I really enjoy working with diverse communities and um, the cemeteries felt really comfortable for me with my values working with the Islamic community the Jewish community the Hindu Buddhist communities etc I really enjoyed that um, I would say that um, City Stonington is diverse but nowhere near as diverse as somewhere like a Dandenong I enjoy the diversity I enjoy the complexity and so I think it's actually a better fit for me I feel really valued in that environment and um, it really 
it really calls upon my soft skills and stakeholder management skills. So as we've said a, a couple of times already, one of the more diverse communities, if not the most diverse in, yep. in the state, how does that make a typical day in the life of a council CEO look different for you? Yeah, look, I think at the end of the day, the job of a CEO is the job of a CEO. Our day is irresponsible and concerned with what's happening with the finances of the organisation, managing all the people and culture resources, um, and all that resource management is slightly different but the same. You've still got stakeholder management. You're dealing with the state government legislation and statutory requirements. That is consistent across all of them. But it's more the personalities that are a bit different. Um, so it's got such a beautiful, warm personality at the City Greater Dandenong. It's got so much diversity and there's so much joy for a community that is disadvantaged. The joy is there and the aspirations are there and, and they're very enthusiastic um, community and very excited to try new things, which is great to have. Now, can I ask you about the the long-running legal case involving iCook Foods? You came in sort of towards the tail end, and I know there's still some state-based elements of that still to play out. But perhaps without getting into the specifics of the case, what was it like to come in late in a, in a matter that had been going on for so long and was so complex? Great question, Chris. Um, I think it's in some respects it was an advantage for me to come in as a new CEO who had no history and no baggage concerned with the matter. And it meant I came in um, with a really objective um, assessment of what was going on. And I was able to take my own risk assessment and um, have a look at the issues and challenges and work through um, the matter as it is. Mm. At this point in time, so um, the case has since been um, dropped there was a no payment settlement um, undertaken and the matter is now settled between the city of Dandenong and iCook Foods, but there are other matters afoot in the court at the moment, so I don't want to talk too much about it. Mm. However, I do want to say that, you know, um, I, I'm pleased at the end of the day the matter is settled for our staff. Um, they were never at fault and I'm really, uh, I think there's a lot of learnings for the sector in a case like this, and it'd be interesting to do um, a case study on it once the matter is completed with the state government. I was going to ask you that. So how do you see that might potentially play out in terms of helping the sector take learnings from that experience? Yeah, I think um, our staff that have been through the process, there's lots of learnings. There's lo there would be lots of learnings for the health team. There'd be lots of learnings from the executive team. And um, I think at the end of the day, hindsight's a wonderful thing. If you go back and reflect the light as to what happened, there would be some key gateways that we could have perhaps managed differently to better position ourselves in the longer term. Mm. But I actually, you know, I certainly think everyone did a great job um, in managing it from our point of view, but um, there's always always sector learnings. So let's talk about where to from here. As we said, a well-established organisation, you've come in uh, and started, I think you've called it a reshaping 
Dandenong yep. uh, project. Tell us about that and where your where your priorities are. Thanks, Chris. So when I came in, I undertook a review of the organisation. I went out and met with um, lots of stakeholders across the um, sector. I met with all the councillors individually. Um, I certainly met with all our key staff. And I looked at the organisation and really did a deep dive into every aspect of the organisation from finance to risk management, et cetera. And then um, as part of that, I did some surveys with our staff as well. So I took all that information together and created a report called Reshaping Greater Dandenong, which I consulted with the council earlier in the year. And we came up with a range of um, key priorities. Um, some of those priorities concern financial priorities, like all local governments. We've got, we're leaning into mm. financial challenges and reduced state and federal funding um, and reduced um, revenue sources for local governments. So we're working on that at the moment. But also I looked at um, strategy, I looked at our people and um, our systems and processes and technology. And um, for example, in the strategy area, council um, has got 75 strategies and um, approximately 100 policies. And lots of local governments are like that. Over yeah. time, they have grown. Um, so we're keen to see if we can reduce those down um, significantly into something that's a bit more manageable um, and easier to communicate to our community. How do you think it gets to that stage where you have so many strategies and so many policies? Because that must make it very difficult then for everyone to be across all of those positions that they need to be mindful of. Yeah, and I think there's lots of public sector entities end up in this position because the councils are very enthusiastic and they want to be able to address lots of need in the community. And I think during COVID, a lot of our staff focused on areas where perhaps we needed more strategy or we needed, um, they were enthusiastic about putting up um, strategies and plans to council. But as a consequence, we've ended up with kind of a complex um, group of 75 that we can probably condensed down to 30 odd strategies and might I'm hoping at least half them and take down yeah. the um, policies to less than half so that we can have something that's easier to communicate working with culturally and linguistically diverse communities that many strategies and plans is is hard to communicate to the man on the street so I think if we can come up with something that cascades from our new council plan and is more simplistic um, will help us get the job done. And experience would tell me if you've got that many public-facing strategies and policies, you've probably got an equal number perhaps internally that uh, need to be looked at as well. Is that the case? Yeah, that's right. The 100 yeah. does include internal policies, for example, right. internal and externally available policies. Mm. But it is a lot for the staff. If they're looking for something, um, it's hard yeah. to necessarily find what you want quickly. You mentioned the financial sustainability issue. What do you think the impact of that is going to be in the medium to longer term? What's it shaping up like for Greater Dandenong? Yeah, we're certainly looking at how can we use technology to um, help help support our staff. It's interesting at the City Greater Dandenong, I found our staff, our staff resources are actually quite thin in a whole range of areas and we're struggling to meet all the requirements with the amount of resources that we currently have. So we're going to have a look at um, how we can use technology and um, maybe even AI as part of that to help us get on with some of the back 
room, red tape, administrative things and free our people up to work with our communities. So it's doing um, more with less at the yeah. end of the day. So I, I think there's lots of ways. We're doing a revenue optimization plan at the moment. Um, we will have a look at whether there are any assets we can sell off. I'm not sure if that'll be the case, but we're doing um, that process. And we're also commencing in 2024 to do some service improvement reviews across every area over a three-year cycle. You mentioned one of my favourite current topics, and that is AI. It's a space that's moving so quickly, and I'm really keen to start hearing from councils that have actually found really tangible ways to use it for you know more effective operations. You're positive or confident about that space, or is it still too early? Look, I think it's early days, but I think at the end of the day, we don't want to be on the bleeding edge of using the technology, but I think it's absolutely, it, if you use it, I use ChatGPT every day, yeah. um, and I find it's really beneficial to help me in my day-to-day -day work and saves me time every day. Well, I'm really encouraging our staff to use it where they can. And then we're considering having our own AI box so we can use our own data in a confidential way and see what benefits might arise. If that ends up um, working well, then we'll see where the other opportunities are. I think at the end of the day, it's new for everyone. We don't have experience in using it, but you've got to lean into the new technology, lean into the opportunities, and um, we'll learn as we go. Fabulous to hear that. And I'm really keen to to hear more as you work your way through it. I guess it's also one of those issues, and there's a broader one here about, you know, 79 councils in the state, uh, all in some ways trying to do the same thing. And perhaps AI is one of those spaces where we might see more collaboration, do you think, across councils? Oh, definitely, Chris. I think... Um... The learnings that each of us do with AI should be shared. I think there might even be opportunities for us to do things collaboratively within the regions. So, for example, maybe the Southeast Councils could look at doing something jointly um, with AI. I think at the end of the day, the biggest benefit will be to provide quicker answers to our community um, and better quality data to our community. Often our systems and processes have been slow. We haven't been able to collate data really quickly and we should get better data analysis, I think, and understand our communities better. Let's come back to you before we wrap up a bit about and what, what your plans are for the future. Do you see yourself as a local government CEO for the rest of your career? That's an interesting question. Um, I play in spaces um, outside local government as well. So I've been heavily involved for a long time with um, gymnastics. So I do, I've just come off recently off the Federation of International Gymnastics Council. I'm still on the um, International Board for Gender Equality Worldwide with gymnastics. Um, and I've just gone on to the Y Australia Board. Um, I really enjoy um, working with not-for-profits and I mm. think there are opportunities in that space. There's more I'd like to do in that space in helping community, particularly with young people. Um, the Y is really committed to improving the lives um, with and for young people and making the world a better place for young people. I think young people are really challenged at the moment. So I think there might be new opportunities once I've finished my career, but I'm looking forward to um, continuing my career as a CEO for some years yet, Chris. <laughs> In case any of your councillors are watching or listening, that's a good uh, point to be making. I think your gymnastics role took you internationally uh, on, on on trips yep. fairly often, didn't it? How was the how was the um, the juggling, I guess, of those responsibilities with your substantive roles? 
Yeah, look, unfortunately, I wasn't on the executive or anything. So the council um, would meet once a year in person. We would have some other online meetings. The same with gender equality. Um, it's more about representing Australia's interests and Oceania's interests internationally. And it's great experience. It really is. I, I really encourage um leaders in local government to use our skills outside local government because you'd be surprised how applicable they are and how valuable they are. We work with community really well. We're very good at collaborating rather than competing. And I think that's a fantastic skill set to have. And we shouldn't underestimate that, Chris. I think that's a great note to end on. Thank you, Jackie, for being so generous with your time. All the best for your time at Greater Dandenong. May it be long and fruitful. And thank you for being on Local Leaders. Thank you, Chris. Jackie Weatherall, the CEO of the City of Greater Dandenong, our guest on VLGA Connect Local Leaders today. 